we have covered our mission, wisdom, temptation, and submission. And now we come to the most well-loved and most dreaded passage of Scripture defining biblical womanhood. And you know it well, right? It's an excellent wife who can find. Where are we going to be tonight? She is far more precious than jewels. This passage is beautiful. Proverbs 31. It's most beautiful when it's shared on Mother's Day or written in an anniversary card or read at a funeral. But honestly, it's also very daunting. And it can be intimidating to try to live up to. True? So I've titled this lesson, Measuring Up. God's progressive provision in our imperfection. God's progressive provision in our imperfection. So we're going to look at Proverbs 31 together tonight and just read through the passage first. So the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the, ones, to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. She goes on to say, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise.
praise her in the gates. Everybody. Now, as we read that description of the Proverbs 31 woman, what came to your mind? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Long shot. (laughs) I actually wrote intimidation, fear. It's easy to think of this description of an excellent wife as an impossible ideal. And I have certainly felt overwhelmed by the abilities, strength, and knowledge of this seemingly perfect woman whose description we just read. And so I loved this this, um, extra description that I found. So let's skim back through this and pick out some of the highlights of this woman's resume, okay? So looking back through, we'll just start verse 11. Her husband had full confidence in her. Verse 15, she was a hard worker, probably made meatloaf at midnight. Verse 16 and 24, she was a shrewd businesswoman. Verse 17, she had buff arms. Verse 18, she didn't ever sleep. Verse 20, she ministered to the poor. Verse 21, she didn't panic over the severe weather alert. Verse 22, she sewed Pottery Barn quality bedspreads and clothes for her family. Verse 23, her husband was well respected. Verse 25, she had no fear of the future. Verse 26, she always knew the right thing to say. Verse 27, she was anything but lazy. And verse 28, her husband and kids thought she was awesome. Well, true confessions here. When we read or hear about the Proverbs 31 woman, it's with mixed emotions. And the word tired comes to mind when I read this chapter. She gets up early in the morning. She stays up late at night. She just burns the candle at both ends, and she is so busy. And you can read this passage and just feel tired. And if you weren't before you read it, you probably are after you read it. Another word that comes to mind is the word overwhelmed. How does she do it all? And with no technology. It's easy to feel defeated or to feel like a failure. And it's easy to look at this standard, this picture of this perfect woman of virtue and feel like this is impossible. And then the next thought is, I mean, I guess I'd better just give up because I could never be this kind of woman. So we have feelings of comparison, feelings of guilt. In fact, I have to confess to you that I'm not really even sure that I like this woman. (laughs) But I'm learning to love her anyway because I found that I don't really have to be intimidated by her. You see, she and I and you actually share the same secret power and most important quality, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. The word virtuous or excellent is a difficult word to translate from the original Hebrew language. The word has to do with strength, 
It's often translated army or wealth. And it's talking about a woman of moral strength, a woman whose character is strong. A woman who has godly character is a strong woman. And the world doesn't necessarily think of godly women in that way. They may think, like we've talked before, as a weak woman who just gets run over, or who never has her own opinions, or who never has her own thoughts, or never speaks up and says anything. But really, the world has that wrong. Because a godly woman is able. Because he's able. And a godly woman has confidence in the faithfulness of her God. She's a woman of valor because she has a king who is victorious. Now, the ESV version that I just read from says that this is a virtuous wife, but the word wife there can also be translated woman. And so we're reading about a woman who happens to be a wife, but the word here is just a word for female. And I want to point that out because this passage is not just for married women, but whether married or single, you and I can be excellent, virtuous women, but not on our own accord. Remember that this passage is the words of King Lemuel recalling the words that his mother taught him when he was a young prince. That whole first paragraph, it's a lecture from his mama. Can't you just hear him? Now listen here, boy. That's, that's what I hear her saying when I read that first paragraph. His mother taught him, son, this is what you need to look for in a wife. And when it's time to get married, make sure that these qualities are in place. Look for strength of character and a walk with God. Now, it's easy when we're reading this passage to focus on all the things this woman does, all the skills that she has, all of her accomplishments, her achievements. But I can tell you that is not the heart of this passage. The heart of this passage is this woman's heart. It's her relationship with God. And out of that relationship comes flowing all the things that she does. It's a picture of her confidence, her character, her conduct, her values, her daily routine and disciplines, her marriage, her family life. But all of that flows out of the fact that here is a woman who has a reverence for God. If this woman is a real woman, if King Lemuel's mother was describing a woman she actually knew, then you could be sure of several things about this woman. And now these aren't things that you'll read about in the text. There are things that she wishes were different about her husband. He has weaknesses, and so does she. She has struggles in her marriage. And sometimes she and her husband can't communicate with each other. And sometimes he doesn't communicate at all. And sometimes he has no idea what she is trying to communicate. They obviously, if you read this passage, deal with the problem of busyness. So when do they even connect with each other? I can tell you something else about this woman for sure. Sometimes she feels unappreciated for all her efforts. And there are times when she's tempted to envy women 
who are in a different season of life. This Proverbs 31 woman probably sometimes feels like a real failure. Others can see and appreciate things about her that she can't see in herself. And I can tell you that sometimes this woman feels like giving up. She's not just this perfect thing that we construct that just comes off the pages of scripture and has no reality to her. She deals with the same issues that we deal with because she's also human like we are. She has spiritual dry times when it seems that God is very far away from her. She's a woman who does have a virtuous character and she does have an intimate relationship with God and her husband. But I can tell you this, she didn't get there overnight. And she hasn't yet arrived. She's a woman in process. She's a woman who's growing. And she's a woman who, like most of us, finds herself taking three steps forward and two steps back. Or sometimes three steps forward and five steps back. You see, spiritual maturity is not so much where you are as the direction that you're going. And here's a woman who's in process. So being a virtuous woman doesn't mean that she doesn't have the same struggles and challenges that we all have as women. There are two important statements that I want to make here. First of all, no woman can be like the woman that we read about in Proverbs 31. On your own, you cannot be. And I cannot be like this woman. Anything we try to do in our own striving and efforts is not pleasing and acceptable to God. The only way we can ever please God is through the righteousness of Christ. He's the only one who has ever measured up to God's standard of holiness. So again, no woman can be like this woman on her own. But here's another important statement that sounds like the opposite, and it's just as much true. Any woman who is a child of God can be like this woman. Any woman who is a child of God can be like this woman because Jesus lives in us, and he's the one who fulfills the righteousness of God, not us. You see, the most outstanding thing about this woman is not all the things she can do. As we've said, it's her heart. It's her priorities. It's her values. So there are three bottom lines that come out of this passage that I think we can truly apply and take away. And first is the fact that she fears the Lord. She's a woman who reverences God. And that is more important than everything else that she does. As we've said, everything she does flows out of this reverence for God. And she's seeking to please him first and foremost. That's the heart of the matter. Don't lose that when you get stuck in these things about her spinning wool and flax, whatever, whatever flax is. I don't know. 
Don't get lost in all those details and forget that the big picture is that here's a woman who reverences God. We can reverence God wherever we are. And many of you women I know personally, you do reverence the Lord. And that's why you're here tonight, because you want to be a woman of God. And that's the core of the matter. And secondly, this woman is a lover. She loves. She's got the fruit of the Spirit in her life, which is love. It's a love that's joyful. It's a love that's peaceful, that's patient, that's kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in her. It's a woman who loves God and loves her husband and loves her children, and the fruit of that love is seen in all these different qualities. She's a woman who has a servant's heart. That strikes me as I read this passage that she's utterly selfless. There are hardly any references to her doing anything for herself. Now, our culture would tell us that that makes a miserable woman. But here's a woman who has joy. And you see, the world has told us if you look out for yourself, then you'll be happy. Just love yourself. But look at all these women out here loving themselves. Are they happy? Maybe. Are they truly joyful? No. It's the women who live for God and live to serve and love others who are the women who are truly joyful. And we should be encouraged as we see the picture of this woman painted here in Proverbs. So whether you're married or single or young or not young, we can become an excellent woman such as the woman in the portrait that we see here in this passage. And I'll say it again, though, we cannot be that woman on our own and in our own strength. Apart from Christ, we can never be virtuous or excellent. But through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Christ, we are able to be transformed one day at a time, one experience at a time, one step at a time into the likeness of Christ. In Proverbs 31, we have a pattern for the kind of woman that God created us to be. Again, let me emphasize, it's not all the domestic abilities and things that this woman can do that are what make her great, thankfully. Because unlike my mother back there who sewed all of my clothes and cooked a meal with a green vegetable even on weeknights, y'all, I can't sew a button on and I drive my family through Taco Casa at least once a week. It's the fact, though, thankfully, that she's a woman who has a love for God and a love for people. And we're really seeing here a portrait of who? Of Jesus, who it always comes back to every single month. We're seeing here a portrait of the Lord Jesus, and ultimately, we are called not to be like the Proverbs 31 woman, but to be like him, to be like Jesus. Now, I want to tell you this. If you are a child of God, this is where you're headed. 
The woman we've been seeing, the woman who fears the Lord and the outworking of that relationship with God in her is very practical, everyday life. That's what, that's what we're going to be. God is conforming us. And we're not going to probably spin wool and flax. But if you're a child of God, he's committed to our process. And he's not going to stop until he's finished. In my life or yours, he's committed to forming us and conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. But here's where there's a second trap that many of us fall into as well. We don't outright reject the picture. What we do is instead say, I am going to be like that woman if it kills me. And we begin to perform and to strive and to struggle, saying, I want to be a good Christian. I want to be a godly woman. Well, the moment that we come to realize that we cannot do what God has called us to do on our own is really where the victory lies. But we strive and we struggle and we try to perform and that's really a picture of going to Mount Sinai. Do you remember what happened at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus? That's where God gave the law. God said, you're not going to be able to keep it. But the people said, no, we'll keep the law. Look at Exodus 24, 3. It says, Moses came and told the people all the commands the Lord of the Lord and, and the ordinances. Then all the people responded in a single voice, we will do everything that the Lord has commanded. And do you know what the rest of the Old Testament is about? It's just proving that they couldn't keep the law and that God was indeed right. The law was given knowing that we couldn't keep it, but it was given to show us that we couldn't keep it, that we could not live up to God's standard. The purpose of the law is so that we will see ourselves as failures, so we will see that sin in ourselves, like Anita so beautifully talked about with her testimony, so that we can be pointed to Christ, who alone can fulfill the law. Christ is the only person who has ever lived, who was ever able to fulfill the righteousness of God's law. The purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ, to help us see our helpless condition. The purpose of Proverbs 31 is not to make us leave this place and say, I'm going to be a godly woman. I know I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And then, you know, by 10 o'clock in the morning, I don't know, probably before we went to go to bed tonight, we've blown it. And the purpose of this picture in part is to help us see that we can't live up to it. We can't measure up. We must come into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, I cannot be the woman that you have called me to be. I can't. 
Paul said in the New Testament in the book of Romans 7:18, "For I know nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. I cannot be that person on my own." So you can reject the picture or you can struggle to strive and perform. You can go to Mount Sinai and live there and grit your teeth and say, I'm going to be this woman. And you'll get exhausted in the effort. And you'll probably wear out a whole lot of people in your life too. So praise God, there is another alternative. And it's not Mount Sinai. It's Mount Calvary. Go to the place where you get God's grace. Go to Calvary. Say like Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, I cannot be this woman. But I know that you live in me. And it's not I who live in me, but Christ who lives in me. So Lord, would you be in me when I can never be apart from you? It's a life of faith. It's a life of dependence, not striving and struggling, but of saying, I can't do this. But Jesus, would you live in and through me? I cannot love that man. (laughs) I cannot love those children. I can't have (laughs) that diligent, hardworking, industrious spirit. I'm going to get worn out. I can't speak words that are kind and wise all the time. My mouth just runs away. Leave me to myself, and I'm going to be one very unpleasant person to live with. But Lord, I know that you are living in me, and you can do this in and through me. And by faith, I want to let you live that life. This is what it means to believe and to receive and to live the gospel. The gospel isn't just something we needed when we got saved however many years ago. The gospel is something we need today to live as a woman of God. It's the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. It's finished. It means it's finished. We don't have to strive. We don't have to struggle. He's paid the price for our sins. And he now lives in us to fulfill the righteousness of his law. So this passage is a call, as is the whole word of God, to walk in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You say, does that mean I'll never blow it again? No, because we're so prone to go back to Mount Sinai and try to do it on our own. 
or to reject the picture altogether. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. We're prone to leave the God we love. But when we find ourselves there, wondering, leaving, striving, when we find ourselves having rejected the picture of God's law or back in that cycle of trying to strive and perform, we have to stop. We have to get quiet before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of trying to do this on my own. It's just as sinful to try to do it on our own as it is to reject the picture that's painted in Proverbs 31. Because either way, we're doing it apart from Christ. As God sees us, we're perfect. We have the righteousness of Christ. And there's a sense in which he has made us, past tense, if we're children of God, he has already made us an excellent, virtuous person. The challenge here is to live like who we are, who we're called to be, to live out the reality of who we are in Christ. And then this is what really encourages me. There's yet a future sense when it comes to being an excellent woman, a virtuous woman, and that's what we can look forward to. It's that final, completed state where we're glorified. We are sanctified and perfect and we are mature. But y'all, that's not here. And as we're in process, we can look forward and know that God is making us into that kind of woman. And that's why when we fall, when we blow it, when we get discouraged about our lack of progress, we can get up and go by God's grace knowing that this is indeed a process. There's growth involved here, and that's okay. That's true of every woman. You look at the most godly woman you know, and she considers herself very much still in progress. She's still growing. She's still developing. And then there's that hope that he will perfect us. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we read, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. When will this perfection happen? Not here, and not now, and not in this body. We must remember that we are dependent on his righteousness. However, we will never drift to spiritual success either. We won't just happen to grow in grace and become spiritually mature. And I love how Anita's testimony was just really a, a perfect example of this. And she, she didn't let me read her notes beforehand. But she talked about this. It's not a it's not just a, you don't just drift into growth. We won't just happen to grow in grace and become spiritually mature and arrive in heaven one day to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't just happen. 
the choices that we make today have consequences and they will matter a thousand years from now. They have implications for eternity and we are called to press on. We are called to grow in grace. Press on and grow are verbs, by the way. They denote action. We must set our heart and our course toward spiritual growth. Every day, every morning in his new mercy, spiritual disciplines build spiritual maturity and produce growth. So go to scripture. Go to your father in prayer. Go to your sisters in Christ. We must go to grow. And through this process and progress, may we not get despondent and discouraged with a feeling of not measuring up to this Proverbs 31 woman. Through this process, God is making something beautiful in his time. So may we keep our eyes focused on him as he graciously, mercifully sanctifies us through our circumstances and loves us unconditionally. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and we are not. And Father, you have called us, you have chosen us, and Father, you promise to be faithful to us. Father, you promise that you are, have started a work in us that you will complete. Father, you promise that you will make everything beautiful in your time. And Father, we admit that we are dependent on you for every good gift, Father, for every, every strength, for every, every growth. It all comes from you. Father, I pray that we would remember that you are the vine and we are just the branches, Father, and that we must be rooted in you in order for that growth to happen, that you produce that growth and that you continue to prune us, you continue to shape us, you continue to grow the fruit of your spirit in us. Father, help us to repent of striving. Help us to repent of, of trying on our own accord and in our own strength to live up to a standard that, that only Jesus could fulfill. Father, I pray that you would give us a desire to be conformed to the image of Christ. Give us a desire to, to grow and mature, not for our own selfish pride, but in, in order to reflect you and your grace in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would just help us as we, as we live together and as we love one another in this body Father, that you would um, just continue your work that you started here in our ministry, here at this church, and here 
just in each of the mission fields that are represented by the women in this room tonight. We thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace that we don't deserve, and for all the works that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.